Welcome to Candid Catholic Convos, a program brought to you by the Catholic Diocese of Harrisburg. Our mission is to humanize the church and help you to grow in your faith, love, and understanding. I'm your host, Rachel Trochet, a cradle Catholic who's only human and struggled with faith on more than one occasion. Each week, you'll hear engaging, down-to-earth interviews and actionable strategies you can implement into your life with ease to help you grow closer to God. If you're ready to open your heart and step fully into the person God created you to be, then you're in the right place. Let's get started. Hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of Candid Catholic Convos. The end of Lent has me thinking a lot about crosses. They're everywhere as a visual representation and reminder of the sacrifice Jesus made for us. I think about how heavy it must have been, carrying it through town after being beaten, knowing he was walking to his even more painful death, carrying the immense weight of not only the wood, but our sins. I think back to a time not long ago where it felt like my entire year was nothing but trudging uphill. Battle after battle, challenge after challenge, defeat after defeat. And I kept thinking about that saying, pick up your cross and follow me. And to be honest, every time I heard it, I got so frustrated. Why me? Why this cross? Why now? I felt trapped, stuck in a hole that I couldn't find a way to dig out of. I could see the light but it felt so very far away and I wanted to give up. And then I remembered Jesus could have given up. He could have said, no, never mind. I'm God. I don't need to do all of this. And not only did he not say no, he fell three times in his journey. He needed help from Simon of Cyrene and Simon didn't want to help. He was forced to help. He was forced to literally carry a cross that wasn't even his. He was probably thinking, why me? What did I do? I don't want to do this. But he did it anyway. With my journey through infertility especially, probably one of the darkest times in my physical life and my spiritual life, it took me a really long time to understand why God gave me that cross, why I lost my first baby to miscarriage, why I had to make that part of my journey. So how can we carry our crosses better? How can we see the opportunity in suffering and open ourselves up when all we want to do is retreat into a hole to wait it out? Today, I'm joined via Zoom by retired priest Father John McFadden, who ministers to prisoners in the Camp Hill State Correctional Facility, about what we can do when we feel trapped in any situation. Father McFadden, thank you so much for joining me on Candid Catholic Convos. I'm really excited to chat with you today. Well, thank you for the invitation to join you this afternoon. Would you mind telling me just a little bit about yourself? Sure. Um, I was uh, born and raised in the city of Harrisburg. Uh, I'm the uh, oldest of six children, so I have three uh, sisters and two brothers, four of them that live in the area. One lives in Philadelphia and one lives in Florida. But we grew up in in uh, uptown Harrisburg, as we call it, the Our Lady of the Blessed Sacrament Parish. I graduated from uh, Bishop McDevitt High School in uh, 1966 and then began my uh, formative years uh, in the seminary. 
uh, started at St. Mary's College in St. Mary, Kentucky, where I got graduated from there in 1970, and then went on to the uh, Pontifical College Josephinum in Columbus, Ohio. It was there um, until 1974 when I was uh, then uh, ordained uh, a priest for the diocese on April the 27th, 1974, by then Bishop uh, Daly. Uh, in my uh, years as uh, a priest, I've served in, in several uh, parishes throughout the diocese. Uh, I served uh, 13 years full-time in our uh, Catholic schools, was principal of two of our high schools, and then uh, also have served in diocesan administration as uh, secretary for clergy and religious life under uh, Bishop Dottillo, and then uh, for two years after Bishop Dottillo died with uh, Bishop Rhodes. And then in uh, 2006, I accepted a position as a pastor of St. Teresa Parish in New Cumberland, uh, where I served for 13 plus years and then retired uh, from St. Teresa Parish in June of 2019. So that's kind of a, my life in a nutshell. That's pretty extensive. It sounds like you have kind of walked all sorts of different ministries in your career or calling, I should say, of vocation as a priest. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I've been very fortunate to have had uh, you know a, a variety of ministry as a as a full time you know a parish priest as a so as an assistant pastor and then pastor and then education and diocesan administration. So yeah, I have had. Uh, a variety of experiences over my almost 49 years. That's awesome. So how has retirement been? What have you been what have you been doing with your ministry in retirement? Well, uh, I still continue to uh, to substitute to fill in uh, wherever and whenever I'm I'm asked uh, in our parishes uh, as you know celebrating mass on weekends and, and during the week. If, if asked to do that, um, right now we're on the circuit for all the parish and school and religious ed uh, penance services for this you know, season of Lent. Uh, so I've been involved with that. And I also uh, you spend two days a week uh, in ministry at the State Correctional Institution in Camp Hill. Um, so that keeps me keeps me uh, busy for m most of the week. Definitely not bored in retirement, that's for sure. You've got no, a lot going on. <laughs> no, I'm not ready to, uh, to you know, to get on the rocking chair on the front porch quite yet. So talk to me a little bit about ministering to um, inmates. What, what kind of led you down that path? We talked about what led you, what your active role as a priest was, you know, in education and then in administration. Um, but then how did you kind of wind up working with inmates? Um, what are some of the challenges and rewards that come with that type of ministry? Okay, uh, again, when I uh, was in the office as Secretary for Clergy and Religious Life, uh, that first summer, summer of uh, uh, 2000, uh, Bishop Tatillo, who was a bishop at the time, 
was scheduled to uh, to go to Camp Hill Prison for Saturday morning mass. So uh, he asked if I would, you know, take him to the institution, and which I did. And uh, he went in, and you know, he had, he celebrated mass. I con celebrated with him, and um, was really. Uh, pleasantly surprised at what I saw there, the, the reception that uh, Bishop got from, from the inmates and from the staff, uh, and the way in which uh, everything was done. The inmates had, had prepared extensively, you could tell, for the bishop's uh, visit. The, uh, they were well practiced in being electors and altar servers. Uh, they had a beautiful uh, music program at Camp Hill uh, with a, a choir director and with instrumentalists and uh, um, a choir of between 10 and 12 inmates. And after Mass, uh, Deacon Manny Velasquez, who was the Catholic chaplain at that time, um, and I talked and I would just share with him my, uh, you know, a, a, over... Uh, my, my experience there that morning, and he he and uh, he invited me at, at that point to join uh, with another with a group of priests that had been that had that were volunteers there uh, to celebrate mass every Saturday morning. So I told him that I would give it some thought, and uh, shortly thereafter I did get back in touch with him and. Uh, so that I would be very happy to, you know, volunteer, come over to the institution on Saturday mornings with, with the other priests that were on a rotating basis. So we went through the, um, uh, you know, the process of uh, being screened and interviewed and, and so forth. And uh, I mean, I'm still doing it 23 years later. Um, it, it's it's certainly it's a very it, can be a challenging ministry. Um, one of the things that has kind of changed uh, with my uh, work at the institution is I began for the first uh, 20 years as a volunteer. And at the beginning of the uh, COVID season, when uh, the COVID uh, pandemic, when uh, everything was, was closed down, we saw that as things were going to start to open up gradually, that uh, volunteers were no longer going to be brought back into the institution, at least initially. So in order for uh, ministry to the Catholic patients, uh, the Catholic inmates, most especially the, the sacramental life of uh, you know, the Eucharist and penance and so forth, uh, they invited me to, uh, to become a contract a service provider for the Department of Corrections, uh, and so uh, I did that, and uh, so now I'm I'm there as as a service uh, as as a contract chaplain. Uh, so uh, that's changed my um, involvement in the uh, institution just just a little bit. So you know, some of the challenges certainly that we meet. I guess the biggest challenge that I have is not so much my work with inmates, it's just uh, working within the system, if you can understand what I mean by that, you know, being expected 
to fulfill all of the, you know, expectations administratively uh, speaking, uh, duties of any chaplain there at the institution. So on Saturday mornings, I have to, you know, get there early enough to open up the chapel and uh, let in the the workers who come to set up for mass and then be there until we lock up the chapel at the end of the uh, morning. Uh, you know, just some of the other administrative duties that we have a meeting uh, as a chaplaincy staff on occasions, you know, so, so very, very important to our ministry there. But as we all know, meetings are just that. Meetings are meetings. Um, I have training expectations uh, to fulfill uh, as a contract provider. Um, so I have uh, I have up to I think uh, thirty six hours uh, a year to to uh, to do the training. Um, and one of the biggest challenges again with the inmates is the uh, just seeing so many of them there uh, with you know deep emotional or psychological challenges um many that really shouldn't be there they shouldn't be incarcerated uh because they do you know need very uh, intense mental health treatments uh so that's that's one of the things that i find most challenging about that is just yes they've been they're, they're there because they've done a crime but uh, they just need to be uh, treated for mental health concerns rather than just being locked up i guess uh, the the rewards of the um you know uh, ministry there is um just that one on one that i have with with uh, inmates just uh, you know just 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 listening to them talking to them getting to know, know them as uh, um, you know, as you would any any individual, uh, providing some counseling, some you know, my sacramental ministry there, uh, sacrament penance, um, you know, the sacrament, the Eucharist, the Mass, being there in a, a very supportive way when um, when they experience uh, a death, a death in their families. Uh, that has to be so very, very difficult for them not being able to, you know, to go home for uh, for a funeral, uh, to, you know, say their goodbyes to their loved ones. But uh, to be there in, in, in a very supportive way and and uh, just listening and, and comforting them. And I guess, you know, just doing those uh, those priestly duties that I've been doing you know, for almost 49 years. Uh, but I think if I have to, if I have to point out one uh, reward, it's um, you know, seeing inmates leave the institution. Um, many of them are there for a long, long time. And, uh, but just seeing them successfully work their program there at Camp Hill uh, and just hoping and praying with them that, you know, that our paths don't cross again, most especially uh, in a, a state correctional institution. That's very powerful. I think sometimes we forget that they are still children of God. Absolutely. 
Yes, absolutely. And uh, as you get to know them, you know, uh, the goodness in so many of them just, you know, just shines. You know, you can see that, you know, you can understand why why they are where they are. Um, but you can see that they're really, many of them are really trying to, uh, to you know, to work their program uh, to be uh, rehabilitated and uh, hopefully, re you know, to reenter society, uh, which at times is supportive of them and many times, though, uh, provides more challenges and uh, roadblocks for them to reintegrate back into society than really should be. Right, right. So when you're at the correctional facility, does your ministry specifically cater just to Catholic inmates or do you find members of different faiths or those without a faith um, coming to you for support or for guidance or is is it kind of open to all or is it just limited to those who are catholic no it's uh, certainly open to all and you know that's one of the major uh, points that the department of corrections uh, makes to all of us chaplains whether we're staff chaplains or uh, uh, you know contract chaplains uh that we're there to you know to minister to all of the inmates now, certainly, I minister uh, in in special ways to Catholic inmates in my uh, sacramental ministry to them, but uh, in my you know day to day um, uh, meetings with them, either there in the chapel or somewhere uh, on the grounds of the institution, or when I you know go around to visit inmates in their housing units. I mean, you know, we were there to you know, to minister to everyone, regardless of, you know, their their religious background. Have you ever had somebody who just having worked with you, maybe they didn't grow up Catholic or they didn't grow up religious, decide to become Catholic while incarcerated? Yes. How does that process kind of work? Yeah, well, you know, it, it uh, it's the, the program is, is open and, you know, Camp Hill has an RCIA program uh, that's uh, uh, available to to uh, the, the general population. So inmates that are there at the institution serving their time, the program hasn't started back up yet since you know since since uh, the COVID pandemic. But in, in the years that I was there as a volunteer, you know, we would you know we would have weekly uh, you know classes and instructions in the faith. And then help that inmate to discern whether this is the the path, the direction that they want to go in embracing Christianity, and or uh, uh, you know the uh, Catholic uh, Christianity. And then I've I've been there on uh, you know uh, for the Easter Vigil in years past to to baptize, to welcome into the church, to confirm. Uh, inmates. So, yeah, we have the same process for them as anybody would experience in, uh, you know, any of our parishes. That's really cool because it it kind of shows that, that the opportunity is there and that if they so choose that they are welcome. I think that's, I think that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Many of us listening 
may not have ever been inside a physical prison, but may find ourselves wrestling with a, a spiritual prison, whether that's uh -huh. a prolonged illness or addiction or depression, loneliness even. Um, and sometimes the suffering can be unbearable. How can we suffer patiently as the inmates in a physical prison might suffer? Well, I think that, you know, the key word that you mentioned there is patiently. You know, I, I wish I really had a good answer for that. Um, I'm certainly patience is not one of the uh, those virtues that I have uh, acquired that or that I'm good at, to be I'm very, very honest with you. Um, but maybe let me just let me begin by by saying uh, it all begins with acceptance. You know, we may not understand why, why me, uh, you know, why this illness, why this addiction, why this, you know, uh, tragedy in, in my life, in my family, why this tension in family life. But the first step, you know, to recovery, to me, is, is, is acceptance of whatever it is that we are being challenged with at the time. And uh, realizing also that, you know, I'm not expected, you know, to go this path alone. Um, you know, other people have been, uh, you know, down this, down this path before me. Um, and all we, you know, need to do is to, as easy as it is to say, but challenging as it is to do, we just need to, to, to reach out, um, you know, maybe to, you know, to see the cross that we carry. And, you know, every one of us uh, has a cross to carry in life. That's just a part of, of every person's life. The acceptance of that cross as, you know, trying to fulfill as best we can that, uh, that mandate that Jesus, you know, gave us to, you know, to be perfect as our Heavenly Father is perfect. Maybe, you know, again, just being acceptive. Uh, of that uh, challenge that we have and the cross that we bear and um, making sure that we, you know, don't carry that cross alone. I love that. It's like, you can't, you, you, you absolutely need to be able to accept that this is something that I'm going to have to deal with. This is, this is my burden to carry. But like you said, it's, it's a lot easier to carry if you have somebody to help you. Right. Whether that's just somebody to listen or somebody to pray for you or whatever, just reaching like I think so often we we get trapped in that idea of nobody wants to help me. Or if I tell somebody what's going on, they're not gonna believe me, or they're they're gonna say I'm being dramatic or whatever. And more often than not, people are people say, I wish I would have known sooner so that I could have helped you. Um mm -hmm. So I think, and I'm also one who does not wait very well. In fact, I bought my children a book called Waiting is Not Easy. <laughs> um, <laughs> but more often than not, it's worth it. So I think I love, I love that. I've heard it said several times that we should offer up our suffering, but especially like when it is such a burden, it it can be hard. It can, it can in fact close us off. Well. How can we use our suffering to actually open us up to receiving God's love when all we want to do is 
hide in a hole? Well, um, maybe just something as uh, you know, easy as, uh, and again, easy, but um, to just you know think about that, um, you know, that scene uh, on Calvary. You know, there Jesus is hanging uh, in crucifixion. Um, and what's one of the things that he says as, as recorded in Scripture? Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. But then he goes on to say, but not as I will, you know, but as you will. Um, it's remembering that you know, that Jesus has walked this same path once himself. Yes, granted, Jesus is God. Uh, so he had a little, you know, uh, more help than perhaps, you know, we do. But uh, still, he was as human as we are. Uh, but still, you know, saw that he didn't want to accept. Uh, he wanted this to, you know, to, to, to pass by quickly. But he finally said, well, whatever you want, that's what I'm going to try as best to do. Yes, that's such a powerful image that I think we forget that he, and if he wanted to, he could have been like, no, never mind. I don't want to do this because he was God. Yeah. And instead, he said, no, that I'm willing to suffer for everyone. If, and if he could literally die on a cross for us, the least we can do is pick up our cross as well. I love that. In um, some previous episodes, I talked a lot about the sacrament of penance and the power of forgiveness. But sometimes I would think, especially for those in a physical prison, um, but also for those who kind of craft a prison of our own design, what can we do if we're struggling to forgive ourselves? You know, that's that's a very, very difficult thing. And Certainly as, as a priest, as a confessor, you know, we meet that so very, very often, uh, primarily in the sacrament of penance. And the one thing that I've always tried to maybe suggest or instill in people, again, something that I, that I mentioned earlier that I'm not good at, uh, not one of my virtues, but, you know, but we have to be patient. We have to be patient with ourselves. Um forgiveness is a process um and that forgiveness that comes when we celebrate the sacrament of penance when we you know confess and uh make that resolve you know not to get ourselves in situations where we're going to sin again uh but when we resolve to just do our best god does forgive and we know in our hearts and in our minds that God does forgive. So forgiveness comes, you know, at that point. Uh, but that, but that's when then the healing process begins. And um, you know, to me, that's that's the that, that's the most difficult part of the forgiveness process, that healing. That healing that has to start, you know, with ourselves recognizing our own, you know, dependence upon a God and and one another. And uh, again, just being willing to set out on that uh, on that path to you know to 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 real healing and reconciliation. 
Absolutely. I love that. What advice would you give to someone who feels stuck? Maybe they're physically stuck in a physical prison um, or maybe they're mentally or emotionally stuck in a life situation, or maybe they're spiritually stuck with their relationship with God. What um, advice would you have for them to continue to move forward? Well, again, just to just to remember, uh, you know, and, uh, and you know, not be afraid to reach out. You know that, um, you know, we've heard the expression, you know, no man is an island. You know that we're all interdependent on one another, and um, uh, we are not the only person who is or has experienced this this challenge uh, in their life. And uh, you know, as difficult as it is sometimes to you know to let go, we needn't be afraid to you know to to, to reach out and to you know kind of. Uh, allow ourselves to open up and uh, um, take in the experience and the uh, forgiveness and the uh, you know the goodwill, the wishes, the help of of uh, the other people who are afraid or or who are a part of of uh, our lives. Don't be afraid to reach out. Don't be afraid to open up. You know, to uh, another uh, human being who has had perhaps the same experience in life that we are being challenged with right now. That's very true. I think being isolated from during the pandemic also kind of probably heightened that um, in a lot of people of like, well, now I am physically alone. So they feel even more alone. Um, and you're right. It is, it is like a control issue i know personally i'm i'm one of those like i if i it's not going to get done if i don't do it and yeah, yeah. we need to just let go so that god can can do his work within us and um it's a lot of work it's a lot of work of interior of being patient and and letting go of control and yeah those are all really great suggestions yeah and, and again during during the, the you know the covid pandemic uh, my siblings and I, we, uh, you know, we, uh, we, we zoomed, uh, every week. Uh, we get generally on a Friday night, you know, we would, um, sit down for about an hour and, uh, you know, uh, my one sister who lives in Philly, she would initiate the, the zoom meeting. And that's how we, you know, kept in touch with each other. We, you know, we still called and spoke on the phone, but, this was a way to, you know, to, uh, you know, see e each other uh, each week during that that uh, year or year and a half that we were, you know, isolated. So, uh, um, you know, again, that's that could be another way for, you know, for people to reach out. Might not be able to get in the car and go visit, but they can certainly, um, you know, have a Zoom meeting with them. Absolutely. Anything helps. Sure. Want to just be, don't want to be an island. Right. Right. What, um, what else would you like our listeners to kind of know about your ministry? Is there any way we can get involved? Maybe we can't physically go to the prison because of restrictions, but uh -huh. what else can we possibly do to, to help those who are looking to help themselves? 
Well, you know, again, I certainly think the you know the the thing that every one of us can do is to remember in in our prayer prayer life, you know, those who are imprisoned. Um, and I know that uh, here in the diocese that we, you know, there are 15 county prisons, jails. And I know that there's ministry of some sort happening in most, if not all, 15 of those uh, county jails. Um, some are, some people are are volunteering to go in and you know, just to sit and to talk with, you know, talk with inmates or uh, lead a, a little Bible study or whatever. So if there's, you know, if, if there's any, anything that, uh, you know, that uh, the parish which you are uh, uh, a member of, if they have any outreach to, you know, to to a local county facility, that would certainly be um some good way of uh, volunteering and you know remembering that there are you know people who uh, who are incarcerated that need uh, you know our our attention and and prayer um but also maybe you know and, and this is something that you know every one of us you know can do you know family life today is uh, a struggle i'm sure for uh parents uh raising children uh trying to you know just share with them uh the beautiful values of our christian catholic faith and just making sure that you know we try to keep our young people on track and if any of them you know have or are beginning to kind of stray to you know to uh, go in directions that we would not want them you know, to go that we don't want to see them go, you know, to, you know, to, you know, to, to talk to them, to reach out to them, to make sure that they, you know, receive that, that listening ear, that compassionate heart that, you know, a parent can offer to a child. Uh, because in, in so many ways, uh, that's what I've seen is lacking in the lives of so many inmates. You know, they have had, you can understand why they are where they are. It, when you get to know them, because they've had little or no family life. Uh, they have parents who maybe themselves have been incarcerated or are incarcerated uh, at, you know, at the same time that their children are. Um, they come from addictive, you know, behavior uh, in family life and so many of them have such a, a lack of self-respect. And if you, you know, and if you have no respect for yourself as an individual, you certainly are not going to be able to respect one another. So, uh, you know, remembering that challenge that uh, in family life, to, life today uh, is challenging, but certainly is, you know, the answer to a uh, good, strong, healthy Christian Catholic families when uh, parents and children siblings are you know they're working with one another open open to you know uh, the challenges that that do present itself in uh, every uh, family today yes those are all really great points and especially you know as a parent we have to remember that like we need to slow down that sometimes we're doing 
too many activities that aren't the heart of the family, which is Christ. Yeah. You know, soccer practice can wait, but we need to get to mass. Yeah. And family dinners are important and things like that. And those are all really great reminders. So thank you so much. Yeah. Well, yeah. My pleasure. Thank you. Well, I really appreciate you spending the time to talk with us today about prison ministry. And um, I hope whoever needed to hear this heard it and that maybe we have some more people who are volunteers or even just including inmates and this ministry in their prayer. And I hope you have a great rest of your day. Well, thank you, Rachel. And and thank you for the invitation to uh, join you this afternoon. Thank you so much for listening. Our goal at the Diocese of Harrisburg is to walk with you on your faith journey. So if this episode resonated with you in any way, the easiest way to show your appreciation is by sharing this program with your network or by leaving a review on your listening platform. You can also support us financially by making a donation online at hbgdiocese.org slash DAC and clicking the make a donation button. Thanks again, and we'll see you at church on Sunday.